How's it going, everybody? Welcome into episode 18 of the College Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Ezra Janello. We are throwing it back this week. Throwback episode this week. Back to the beginning days of the uh, of the College Hockey Podcast. And, and really, it's, it's episode 18. We're still in the beginning days, but I mean like first semester. I think it was 12 episodes. That, that sounds about right. If you go back and listen to, to some of the first 12 episodes... Occasionally, I, I talk super soft and super low and close to the mic. Those are the nights that it was 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. I had a ton of homework to do, ton of game prep, right? Whatever I was doing, and, and it just all piled up. And the podcast, of course, you got to get it out. So it's 2 o'clock in the morning in the kitchen. Everybody's asleep. Don't want to wake anybody up. So you talk nice and slow. But we're throwing it back to those days. It's 2.15 in the morning right now, and uh, we're recording a podcast episode. So I guess we're, we're technically we're two days late because it's Thursday morning right now. Episode is supposed to go up Tuesday night. Again, I hate being late. Don't love it at all, uh, but I drove home Tuesday uh, from New Hampshire down to New Jersey. So nice five and a half hour long drive. I got home at 8 a.m., if that tells you a little bit about when I left school. So I was beat all day. I was tired. Um, so fell asleep early, didn't get to do it. And then all day today, I've been doing prep work, game prep uh, for Franklin Pierce. So we, we, we're getting it done when we get it done, throwing it back to the early days. Uh, talking about Franklin Pierce, though, great interview today. Vito Carlo. Uh, and, and I don't love doing the Franklin Pierce interviews. I feel like it's an easy way out if I just DM a uh, Franklin Pierce player and say, hey, let's do an interview. You know, occasionally you'll see some, I'll see someone on campus and I'll say, hey, like, it'd be pretty cool if you came on and, and did an interview. Uh, and that's what Vito is. He, he's a pretty cool guy to get an interview with. He grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, pretty much the opposite of a hockey market, uh, at least before the, the Knights were there, the Golden Knights were there. Um, but grew up playing for the Las Vegas Storm. Then when he got to juniors, he played in the NA3 in Atlanta. Uh, one of the best defensemen in the NA3 during his time in juniors. Now he finally, find his he finally found his way to a hockey market, uh, Franklin Pierce in New Hampshire. And it's crazy to think, I, I, was, I was thinking about it earlier. Hockey's the main sport, but it's not the main sport, if that makes sense. Like, like everybody knows hockey. Bet you we get more attendance at hockey games than baseball games, but our baseball program was like top five Division two baseball program in the last 20 years. So it's just, it's unbelievable. Uh, but either way, he found his way to a hockey market. Great conversation. He's a beast on the ice, a beast in the gym, and an unreal person. So can't wait to get, get to that. It's a it's a quick interview. It's only 20, 25 minutes, something like that. So I think I said it last week episode 17, maybe 16, uh, the longer the interview, the less hockey talk. So in this case, the shorter the interview, the more hockey talk. But we're going we're gonna to put the hockey talk off for a little bit. We're going to chill out. I'm going to tell you why it's 2.15 in the morning, and I'm still recording this podcast episode, and that's because I got distracted. And obviously, if you've been listening for the past 18 episodes, you know I get distracted very easily. Sometimes I get in that mood. Like when I'm doing game prep, oh, 100%, I could sit there for hours. There's nothing that fires me up more than doing stats and, and game prep and making them look professional, my game sheets and stuff like that, uh, and, and episode prep, looking at games and scores and uh, just all that stuff. I, I love doing that. But sometimes you just get distracted. Tonight, it was uh, it was two things. The first one, it's a good reason. St. Thomas and Bethel. A little bit of Wednesday night hockey. Saw they were playing. Said, you know what? I'm going to turn it on. So I, I got distracted. Watched a period and a half of uh, Wednesday night hockey. Actually, more than that. It went to overtime. So, you know, hockey. College hockey. Got to turn it on. Uh, the other reason, uh, I think it's the same reason why everybody gets distracted in 2021. Uh, and that is TikTok. Uh, I, I made the mistake of opening the app. Made the mistake of even looking at the app. Uh, and this guy, this guy comes up on my for you page. I wasn't even on it for that long, maybe 30 minutes. Um, this guy comes up on my for you page. He's talking about this new app called Playoff. 
So I, I had to check it out. Basically, it's Tinder for athletes, elite level athletes is what it says. So in order to get onto it, you had to have played your sport past high school and not like men's league or pickup, like NCAA or professional level sports. So obviously hockey's a little different. Past high school, you have juniors and not every junior hockey player plays college hockey. I mean, you're listening to one kid right now. I played bad junior hockey, very bad junior hockey. Obviously, I was supposed to continue playing and continue through college. But life doesn't work like that. Sometimes you get injured. That's all right. So I I technically played elite-level hockey in the eyes of the people of this app. So I I downloaded it, and I made an account. And I you have to link a page that shows that you played your sport at an elite level. So I threw my elite prospects page in there. And I got verified, and I've been sitting on this app just wondering why I downloaded it because I'm sitting here. I'm actually looking at it right now, and every single girl is a Division One athlete. And then there's me, who hasn't played hockey at an elite level in four years. 2017, 2018, I played 10 games. I was hurt by October. That was in the year. Now, March of 2021, and I'm sitting on this app with a whole bunch of Division One athletes. Like, let's see, Maddie, 29, water polo at Cal. That's Division One school. Uh, UC Berkeley, figure skating. That's a weird sport, figure skating. University of Alabama, track and field. It, it's just uh, swimming, UNC, Chapel Hill, and then there's me. Where it's like not even like it'd be one thing if I went to like ASU or like Michigan, like a Division One school, but no, like I go to Franklin Pierce, tiny little school in the middle of nowhere, New Hampshire. So that that's why I got distracted. So I think that that does it for the the chill talk. I guess is the the name of the the segment. Let's go to the hockey talk. Uh, we're gonna start with the Mayak, and we're gonna start with the uh, the team that took my attention tonight, and that's St. Thomas and. Their schedule looked a little weird this past week. I'm not going to lie. Maybe it's just the, the lens of COVID, the COVID lens, looking at it uh, and, and how different times are. But usually in college hockey, if you think about it, most most of the season schedules are built with home-and-homes or two-game series. So uh, I'll use Franklin Pierce as the example. Uh, St. A's is about an hour away in Manchester. Usually when we play St. A's, it's a Saturday night on the road, at St. A's, and then, or St. Anne's, I'm sorry, uh, and then Saturday night is back at Franklin Pierce, playing against the same team, or on the women's side, Sacred Heart down in, in Connecticut, or even Post in Connecticut. They're, they'll drive up, and they'll get a hotel room, and you play two games at Franklin Pierce, and then one weekend later in the season, you go down, you play two games against them at their rink. Uh, especially with COVID, that's what you've even seen the WIAC and um, maybe not the UCHC, but but definitely like the, the NCHA, the WIAC. They're they're playing these series, these mini series. St. Thomas they started their week out on Thursday with a three nothing win over Gustavus. Uh, Jack Vincent, Shane Monahan, and Spencer Weiner they were the uh, the goal scorers, while Jacob Berger a nineteen save shutout. So Thursday night three nothing win over Gustavus. Next day, Friday night. They tied St. John's 2-2. Love this game for multiple reasons. One, it's a rivalry. St. Tom, St. John, Tommy's, Johnny's, the rivalry. Um, I love the color schemes, purple and white, unreal color scheme against that bright red and that bright blue for St. John's. It reminds me, I think it's Ole Miss baseball that has those bright blue jerseys. They're sick. I love them. Uh, But unreal look for that uh, 2-2 tie game on Friday. Uh, Johnny's scored two unanswered. It was Augie Moore and Tanner Dufault for them. And then St. Thomas, they scored two straight to tie it up. Force overtime, Andrew Kangas and Kimball Johnson. Uh, obviously, no one scored in overtime because it finished in a tie. Uh, but 30 saves for St. John's, Mac Berglove. 33 for St. Thomas's Henry Barabo. So that's Friday night, 2-2 tie. So we've got Thursday night, Gustavus. Friday night, 
St. John's. Saturday night, St. Mary's, a 4-2 win over them. So that's three straight days with three games against three different schools. Jackson Bond, by the way, four goals in that 4-2 win. Like he said, I'm, I'm calling game. Boys, I got you tonight. Uh, so, so nice little game from him, four goals. But that's three days against three different schools. Just the lens of COVID, it just it, it looks so weird. But uh, they they got their week this week started tonight, and obviously usually we wouldn't talk about the uh, Wednesday night hockey game. Uh, like in the episode for the next week, like I I'm not making sense right now. But uh, usually we wouldn't talk about this game. But obviously with the fact that we're we're going on a day late. We got to see it, and boy, am I glad we got to see it. 5-4 win for Bethel in overtime over St. Thomas. Uh, Dylan Giorgio had a hat trick. Uh, good for him. Uh, Johnson and Grant Lovin, they scored for St. Thomas. I'm not like, I'm not even sure who the other two goal scorers were because uh, I just I didn't put it in my notes. I just watched the game. It was 3-2 when I turned it on. Um, and it was, I mean, it was an exciting third period. Very physical, lots of good opportunities. There was one opportunity for St. Thomas. Uh, Bethel couldn't get the puck out of the zone. And uh, I don't know who it was. One Tommy jumped on it. Like, top of the top of the blue line, middle of the blue line, top of the slot. And, like, no look backhand pass to, uh, to Lovin, Grant Lovin, who was leaving the corner. And he, he hit him maybe, like, not the bottom of the circle, but, and, like, between the crease and the dot uh, on the far side. And he cut across the middle of the zone, cut to the back side of the net, and tried tucking it on a backhand. And uh, the the Saint, the Bethel goalie, uh, Ridge Jarrett, was there, made the stop. Beautiful save. Unreal opportunity. It, it's one of those, those plays that it ends up on the greatest goals to never be scored video on YouTube. It just, it, I thought it was a nice look when I saw it. It wasn't as nice of a look, though, as overtime 2-1-0 that did not get scored. Gerard's made a, a diving save across the crease. Unbelievable. When I saw it, it made me think of, I know, I know it was Alice Hemsky who scored the tying goal. Um, and the, I don't know if young kids understand this. Like I don't know if they if they watch like the bloopers, the NHL bloopers, and they see this goal. Um, but I think it was Edmonton playing the Stars. Like ten seconds to go, the, the stars player down like on a breakaway, empty net, just tapping in the net, and he missed, and he fell, and then the Oilers they pick it up, ten seconds to go in the game, they get the puck up to Alice Hemsky, Hemsky scores, they force overtime, but ultimately Edmonton still won the game, so like the the, the guys were joking about it in the locker room with the guy that didn't score the goal. In overtime, on a two on zero. After your team came back from being down multiple times, and you don't score. Thankfully, the kid didn't have a bus ride. Like I know that if I was on that bus ride, if I if I didn't score that goal, I would have driven myself crazy. Good news is it's one game. It's not going to kill you, but yeah, it's just tough luck, tough luck. Because Bethel ended up winning. They ended up going down the ice, getting good luck, backdoor rebound, buried at home. No doubt about it. Uh, St. John's. So we mentioned that uh, that's that Friday night tie. They also they they beat Augsburg four to two on Thursday. Jack Johnson scored twice and Augie Moore a goal and two assists. So so throw that on with the goal that he scored on Friday, and uh, he had himself a nice little nice little good weekend. Two goals and two assists. Uh, we also saw Goose Davis. They lost three to two to Hamline on Saturday. Evan Robert made thirty four saves on. Six, 36 shots for the win for Hamline. In the UCHC, Chatham opened the week with a 4-3 win over Stevenson on Thursday. Chatham's Lucas Roth and Stevenson's Patrick Ryan each had two goals, while Corey King and Michael Lamison added one goal and one assist each for Chatham. Uh, Ricardo Gonzalez, 40 saves in the win. Uh, and then Chatham went on to lose 3-0 on Saturday to Utica. Brandon Osmondson, Brett Everson, Buster Larson. Uh, those were the three goal scorers for Utica. And then Gonzalez, who made 30, who made 40 saves in the win, 
on Thursday, made 35 saves in a loss on uh, on Saturday, but was still named the UCHC Goalie of the Week. So congrats to him, Ricardo Gonzalez. We also saw Newman and Elmira. They skated to a tie on Friday night, 2-2. Elmira's Chance Gorman scored both their goals, while Newman scored once to start the third. Once, just just under two minutes to go, to force overtime again, no one scored if it ended in a 2-2 tie. We also saw Stevenson. They beat Wilkes 3-1. Ryan Kenny made 26 saves on 27 shots, while Lebanon Valley, they beat Nazareth 3-2. I, I ripped through these scores so quickly, and it sometimes it's, it, it feels like it sounds so boring. It, it's got to, right? Like it makes sense in my head because I I sit here and I do all the uh, all the prep work, but either way, Lebanon Valley they have a sick rink. I don't know what it's actually called. I know in Hershey they call it the Old Barn. It's the Hershey Bears Old Rink, and actually I got to go see a game there, a Hershey Bears game. Uh, God, I was a pee wee. Oh, was I twelve? Yeah, fourteen. He was Bantam. Twelve. He was pee wees. So I was eleven years old. Something like that. 10 or 11. We went to a tournament in Hershey. And so we went to the Hershey Bears game. I think the deal was like if I scored a goal, I got we like we, we got to go to the game and I scored one in like the second to last game. So I was like, all right, yeah, cool. We get to go, go to an AHL game. We go and this guy, Graham Mink, he got into a fight like halfway through the third period, maybe a little later than that. Uh, and he got kicked out of the game. But he was getting a curtain call from the fans. So he comes back onto the ice and I'm, uh, again, 11 years old. I'm loving it. Comes back on the ice, giving a, uh, a wave to all the fans in the crowd. Uh, we were going crazy. Me, my twin brother, and, and my older brother. I mean, oh, my God. Get, guy was a legend. Uh, so much so, we actually bought his jersey, like, two days later. Random dude, Graham Mink. Don't know that he even sniffed the NHL. Maybe had a cup of coffee every once in a while in Washington. But, yeah, I mean, I, that's just, that's sick. A nice little memory I got with that rink. But it's a sick rink. Uh, Riley Johnson, he had a goal and an assist. And uh, Aiden Richardson faced 20 shots, stopping 18 for the win. And yeah, I mean, it's just un- unreal. I-, I so hope they have, like, special nights where they get packed. Like, I-, I-, I so hope some Lebanon Valley students go and, and just... Because that-, that could end up being the game that has the best atmosphere. It's an old rink. It's huge, though. Like, it's a legit rink. I I want to know how big it is because like you have Plymouth state, right? And that rank is, is sick. You have schools like Norwich and Babson who have those, those smaller ranks and, but they, they pack and they get loud. I, I just, I don't know. All right. Hershey park arena, Lebanon Valley college athletics opened in 1936. It has a capacity of 7,286 fans. So it's not huge. It's an AHL rink. Yeah. Located in nearby Hershey. So it's not it's not on the campus, which I I definitely understand the feeling of not having a rink on campus. Going to Franklin Pierce, we, we drive to another state <laughs> to play our home games because we're right on the border of New Hampshire, Massachusetts. So we, we cross down to uh, the Winchenden School. If you didn't listen, by the way, Ryan Black, he, he's an alum of the Winchester School, did a PG year there, so you should go check out that interview, episode 17, if you haven't already. Uh, but, yeah, so we're also going to go see uh, Sunday, Elmira, they beat Nazareth 10-0. Uh, Shane Haviland had two goals and two assists, while Jake Russo added a goal and three assists, and Nicholas Dimitrovich scored twice, while in net Chris Jansen faced 10 shots in the shutout win. That's got to be disrespectful if the team you're playing against has the same amount of goals that you have shots. Uh, I don't know. Again, it's it's 2.34 in the morning right now. I am wired. My mind is, is racing right now. Uh, also, we had the NCHA. They played some hockey this week. And they also had the CHP matchup of the week. Number five, Adrian took on number 11, Wake Forest. Lake Forest on Wednesday. Adrian won 3-1 to one in uh, game number one. Matthew Redding had a goal and assist, while Cameron Gray picked up win number two on the year, making 11 saves on 12 shots. Uh, we also saw uh, 
Yeah, so okay, and then and then Adrian beat Aurora in two games, five nothing and five four over the weekend. Alessio Luciani had a goal and assist in game one and a hat trick in game two. And then back number five taking on number eleven, Adrian taking on Lake Forest on uh, on Tuesday night. They beat them again, this time four nothing. Connor May scored twice. Luciani picked up another two assists. So Lake Forest, they weren't doing too hot. They lost two straight to the fifth-ranked Adrian. As much as there's parity, it's also the fifth-ranked team in the country. Well, unranked MSOE swept Lake for- Lake Forest 4-1 to and 6-1 to on Friday and Saturday. Garrett Gentoli had two goals and one in two goals, one assist in game two, alongside Kevin Paganini, who had a goal and an assist. Jeff Makowski got in the got in on the action with two goals himself, while Logan Holiday picked up both wins with a combined 45 saves on 47 shots faced over the weekend. So, I mean, Lake Forest they played a lot of hockey. I mean, they they played a very tough opponent in Adrian on uh, on Wednesday, and then they had to play against MSOE Friday and Saturday, and they had to go back against that same tough opponent in Adrian. On uh, on Tuesday night, so always tough, but that that's what happens. We have so many games, you have to fit into a tight schedule. Uh, finally, we'll go to the WIAC. Stevens Point and Stout split the weekend. Stout won Game One on Wednesday, four to one. Raphael Goslin had a goal and assist. Brennan Kitchen made twenty eight saves in the win. And then Game Two went to Stevens Point by a score of six to three on Friday. Zach Zach two goals and an assist. It feels like I say his name every episode. Uh, that's always the greatest feeling as a player, right? When you're getting that recognition, you know you're playing well and, and people re- realize it. So hope Zach Zach realizes it. He's, he's uh, a household name here on the College Hockey Podcast. And then also his teammate, Colin Raver. Uh, he had one goal and two assists in the game. We also saw River Falls and Superior split the week. Superior won on Wednesday 2-1. to one. Dylan Johnson and Will Blake scored. Uh, and then Charles Martin picked up two assists on both those goals for Superior. And then River Falls, they doubled up uh, 4-2. Vilho Sarluwoma had two goals and an assist. Caden Cahill helped with a goal and an assist. And then Superior's Chad Lopez scored twice in the 4-2 loss. We also saw the number one ranked Norwich beat Conn College 6-2 in an exhibition match. Um, they open up the 2021 season with a 5-0 win over Castleton. And we'll talk about that game next week. Like I mentioned, we don't usually get to talk about like the Wednesday night games uh, or Tuesday night games during the episode. So uh, we'll, we'll do that one next week when they finish their series. But it was their 10th straight shutout dating back to the 2019-2020 season. Obviously, a 6-2 win over Con College was an exhibition game, so it didn't count towards their record. Uh, in non-conference play, uh, this, now talk about ripping through games. Uh, NEC beat Castleton 5-4 in overtime and then 8-3 in game two. Albertus Magnus beat Anna Maria 6-4. UMass Dartmouth beat Southern Maine 4-2. Suffolk beat Nichols 5-3. And St. Scholastica beat St. Mary's 9-3. Just a, a, a quick drop, 9-3. You score nine goals in a game, you can't just rip through it, right? On the women's side, uh, we saw number five, Goose Davis, beat Augsburg 3-2 to in overtime. Brooke Power scored the overtime winner. And then they also beat Hamline. This is Goose Davis. They beat Hamline 3-2 to on Saturday. Goose Davis's Molly McHugh and Hamline's Jordan Hansen each had a goal and an assist each. In the NCHA, number 10-ranked Adrian beat Trine 8-1 to and 5-1. to Carmen Anderson, Jessica Von Rudin, and Jessica Anderson each had three points. And St. Scholastica beat Marion 8-1 and 6-1. They're now 9-0. and And it says right here on my on my notes, they should definitely have a little number next to their name right now. They should be nationally ranked. They're very good. Uh, they're my favorites to come out of the NCHA and, uh, and to win a championship. So uh, Lauren Hull had four assists in those two games. Taylor Thompson, three points in two games. In the UCHC, the game that we were talking about, the number six ranked Elmira, they beat Manhattanville 7-1 and 10-2. Jess Adams had seven points in series, while Tristan Nolan had two goals and an assist in game one. 
and Kelly Matthews scored twice in game two. In the WIAC, no, the number three ranked Eau Claire swept Superior 3 nothing and 3-1. to We also saw River Falls beat Superior 4-1. to They were supposed to play a second game, but that got canceled. And then, of course, the matchup of the year on the women's side, Eau Claire and River Falls, they met on Tuesday to start the final series of the season. Uh, and like, like I said, matchup of the year, this is the one to watch. Abigail Stowe, she scored for the Falcons in the first period, while Taylor Mayer, Emma Peterson, and Hattie Verstegen scored three straight for the win. Game two's Friday night, and like I said, must-watch game of the season. These two teams, they played each other a lot last year, ending with the Falcons, living a trophy, lifting a trophy at Eau Claire after beating them for the conference championship. And they were supposed to play against each other in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but, of course, with, with COVID going on, they didn't get to play that game. So these two teams, uh, they're just about an hour away, according to Abby Stowe, who came onto the podcast. And she told us about the, uh, the, the matchup with Eau Claire. Two of the best teams in the country. Two best teams in the WIAC. So, I mean, that's that's quite obviously the matchup of the week on the women's side. And then on the uh, on the guys' side, it, it's going to be Norwich taking on uh, Castleton. So, th- those are the matchups of the week. Guys, number one ranked Norwich taking on Castleton. And on the girls' side, it's uh, number three Eau Claire taking on, I, I believe, number four River Falls. So... That's going to do it for the Hockey Talk. Nice 20 minutes, 27 minutes of Hockey Talk. So uh, we're going to send it over to my good friend at Franklin Pierce, Franklin Pierce Raven, Vito Carlo. Today's guest on the podcast grew up in the complete opposite of a hockey market out in Las Vegas, Nevada. He spent most of his hockey career playing for the Las Vegas Storm in the Western States League before coming east for his junior hockey career spending three seasons with the Atlantic Capitals in the NA3, where he collected 98 points in 119 career games played on the blue line. Now in his sophomore year at Franklin Pierce University in the NE10, welcome to the podcast, Vito Carlo. Vito, how's it going, dude? Going good, man. Going good. Just day by day, right? I mean, we're in a, we're in a school lockdown, or I think they sent an email saying stop using the term lockdown. That's not what it is. Or pretty No, much- I, don't like, I don't like that either. It's not a lockdown. We're, we're not allowed to leave campus unless it's essential, which it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a pandemic. You're not supposed to leave your house if it's not essential. But um, it's, been, it's been kind of slow. Zoom University, we're getting our first little tastes of it. Most professors right. are fine right now. So, uh, no, yeah. The perfect time to do this. Yep. So I think the obvious question to start out with is, uh, what was it like playing hockey in Las Vegas? It's not a traditional hockey market. I know you see guys now like Austin Matthews grew up in Arizona and ASU's hockey program. They just built a new rink out there. Like they're growing the sport in so many different ways. Um, but it's, it's still not really a hockey market. What was it like growing up playing hockey out there? Um, it's Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. Uh, I actually grew up playing against Austin Matthews. He played for the Bobcats. Um, and I played in team in Utah for AAA. So, <clears throat> But um, growing up in Vegas playing, it, it was just like, I don't know, it was always like a competitive thing. You know, I mean, you had two teams, you know, that's what we had is we had two teams, two rinks, and you kind of had to pick one and um, you kind of had to try out. And if you made it, you made it. If you didn't, I mean, you know, that's kind of where it got tr- tricky and tough. But um, I don't know. I, I'm thankful that I grew up there. I, I was I'm super happy to, that I was that I was a part of Vegas hockey growing and stuff like that. And now we have an NHL team and stuff. So pretty cool. It's unreal seeing how the, the game just grows in, in everywhere and, and internationally now and in countries that wouldn't normally have it. And even here in, in non-hockey markets, it's grown. It's pretty sick to watch. Um, but the, the Las Vegas storm. So there's a team in the U show called the Tri-City storm, same logo. Are they affiliated? Yeah. Uh, so, um, the storm was bought by the owner of the rink in Vegas. Um, shortly after, I don't know, we had a club that folded. And um, so he bought a team in the USHL and he kind of create he, what he wanted to do with the team was use the WSHL team as kind of like, 
I mean, I guess if they, he, he wanted to do it like a feeder, but I was like, dude, I mean, that's not really like a feeding system right there, WSHL and stuff. It's not – I don't think it's a really good feeder to the USHL. But, um, no, it was super cool, though. I <clears throat> I played there my beginning of my rookie year. Um, I thought it was pretty cool while it lasted, and, and um, I just thought it would be better to for my, my career to go over to Atlanta. And so we'll, we'll jump right into that. You, you go to Atlanta, you've spent three years there. And usually when people like leave home to go play junior hockey, they move into a hockey market. I, I think I've used that term like six times already. Um, but yeah. the Northeast, New England, Minnesota, maybe even Wisconsin, go up to, to Canada to play juniors. You stayed in the South. You went to Atlanta, uh, Georgia, yeah. right? Used to have the Thrashers. They don't have an NHL team anymore. Uh, what yeah. kind of orchestrated your move to go play in the NA3 for um, for Atlanta? Um, so I was pretty attached to the Storm growing up. That that was my club growing up all through youth. Um, and so I was really intent on staying home and, and playing in Vegas. But um, so that summer before my rookie year, I had gotten tendered to the Capitals. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't think anything of it. I was just kind of like, oh, I, I did a main camp. I think it was at the time their affiliate was Topeka Roadrunners and the Null. Um, so I did their camp and then, um, you know, I made it all the way to like all-star game, you know, all that. And then, you know, they hit me, they hit you with, uh, you know, you're going to get tendered in the NA3. And I was like, all right, well, that's pretty cool. Kind of added on to the, the list of things. Um, but yeah, I, uh, Vegas just wasn't working out for me. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I felt like I needed a change. Um, especially at that point in my life, I was fresh out of high school and I was like, you know what? I, I think it'd be best to explore, you know, and why not the South? Um, I got the best vibe from the coach. I got a really good vibe from him. Um, yeah. And it kind of just clicked from there. Um, went there, had a pretty good like rookie run. Um, and then that, that head coach got fired, um, that year. And then the assistant coach had taken over. Um, and I still talk to him his days, probably he's kind of like a father figure. So. And you, like you said, you had a pretty good uh, rookie year, 12 points in 26 games as a defenseman, very good for a rookie in, in any junior hockey league. And then you go into your second year of juniors and you explode 43 points in 46 games played. You're one of the best defensemen in NA3 hockey. Uh, what kind of, ha- I know you are an absolute beast in the gym. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, but what happened between those two years that you went from having 12 points in 26 games to 43 and 46? Um, I don't know. You know, I, I all through growing up, it was always a, always just not, it was like a favorite kind of thing, you know, like I never got played or, you know, I would sit the bench every now and then because other kids were, it was kind of like that growing up. And um, once I got to juniors and um, the head coach that I was playing for the first year rookies, uh, my rookie year, um, I mean, just, he just, I don't know, he played favorites, you know, wasn't a very good coach, just didn't help the rookies that came in. Um but I did, I use that as just kind of like, Hey, like, let's pick it up here and let's move forward. So I, I, I kind of just said, forget what everyone thinks. Just you play hockey for so long. You gotta just take advantage of it. And I, and I, I had the goal of playing NCAA. So I wanted to fulfill that. That was my number one thing. And you did that. And then you, the next year after that, I mean, same thing, 43 points in 47 games this time. You get named. You're you're one of the best defensemen in the league. You're playing in the All Star uh, tournament at the end of the year for the South Division. Was that pretty cool being recognized as just one of the top players in that level of hockey? Yeah, I, I thought it was cool. I mean, I don't know. It was just they're, they're memories that I'll never forget. You know, so um, that's that's what I think it's all about is just the memories and and having fun and um, enjoy it while it lasts. Man, hockey is just such a beautiful sport. I think that's the uh, the motto for for junior hockey is enjoy it while it lasts because you yeah. never know what's going to happen. You could be in, in your first game and you get hurt. You're never playing junior hockey or hockey again for that matter. Uh, and, and hockey, oh, yeah. just enjoy it while it lasts. And, and I think you're you're hitting the, the nail around the head with that one. But 
So right. you're in your you're in your third year juniors. You're you're getting ready to move on to college, and you come to New Hampshire to Franklin Pierce, who historically they've been a New England only school. Uh, Johnny Booslin from South Carolina was the only kid not from New England, uh, and then now I guess we're going international with John Jammers. Um, right. But your your class really Miller, any ten coach of the year, he's come and he's turned this program around like unbelievably. Uh, what was it like transitioning and, and getting looked at? by Franklin Pierce? Um, it was cool. No, like uh, last year, juniors, um, my coach, um, Jason Smith, he got the phone call um, saying that they were interested. And um, I was like, wow, that's actually really cool. Like super cool school, super cool location. Um, yeah, no, it was awesome. But uh, what else What else were you asking about that? Sorry, it's kind of space there. Just kind of going in on the kind of how how you came to getting to Franklin Pierce it's it's not really you know it's it's almost as far away as you can get from Georgia and even farther away yeah. from Vegas yeah um yeah they said they were they were looking at me and they were really interested they wanted me to come here and uh it was kind of one of those like la- not a last minute thing but it was like it was like a decision that I made I made the decision and and um I knew it was the right one I didn't even need to come toward the school that was the thing. I never even toured the school. Um, I just knew it was the right place to be. I just had that gut feeling. That's that's actually pretty unreal because Franklin Pierce is the kind of school where like the most most kids tour it, and that's how they know that they want to come here. It's like a it's the campus that kind of sets it apart. It's not yeah. like the student size numbers or the academic athletics. Obviously, the hockey team they had some tough numbers in the past, um, but now I mean, flying around doing phenomenal. Um, I guess that's what happens when you have, you know, just a, an unreal program. We're talking about your freshman year. You guys made a run to the uh, the NE10 championship, and it's such a team sport where, like, yeah, you had Alex Lester and, and you had Chris Stevenson doing all, like, their thing, leading the NE10 in points. You had Coach of the Year, Sean Millerick doing his thing. But really, I think you had just as much of a role, like, not on the ice, but knowing you personally, like, you're a beast in the gym. You would like to work hard. You're pushing the boys in the gym. You're pushing the tempo in practice. So you're right there with them uh, all the way as a red shirt. What was it like last year moving along and, and getting to get to that conference championship? Um, honestly, it, it was I best ride I've ever taken in my life. I mean, um, people always say red shirting is they have like this thing about red. I mean, red shirting is a good thing. It's not it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I kind of took it, took advantage of it. Uh, I got to sit there and watch and see what I'm up against. Right. So, um, just to prepare, it's another year to prepare and, um, falling short of, of the championship like that. It, I mean, that's why the summer I had was the one I had. I, it just motivated me to we're we're going to come back to that championship. And so, that's what I'm, I'm plan. That's what we're planning on here as a team is, is going back to that final and winning it. And, and the off season, I was, I've been following along uh, on Instagram. You post the, uh, the stories, your, your handstand push-ups and all like the CrossFit stuff you're doing out there in Vegas, climbing mountains in the desert. It looks yeah. unbelievable. You, you look like you're doing so many things to prepare for this year and, and next year. Now, I guess with no, any 10 championship, um, but is that really just the goal? Is everybody's here? They have one goal, and that's just to win hockey games, and everybody's on the same page about it. Yeah, the, we. That's what this program is. Is we want to be a winning program, and um, nothing less. You know, I mean, obviously, there's learning. There's learning room uh, during a season, but we want to be right back up. And like I said, we want to be. Re- we want to be right back up there in the championship. So. <clears throat> um, but me, uh, I mean, all the, the preparation and stuff and yeah, you have to prepare your body for, you know, the, the full year of like trauma, I guess you would say, you know? So, um, I just have fun with that stuff though. I have fun hiking. I have fun climbing mountains, doing handstand pushups, getting records and stuff. I don't know. I, I push for that stuff. I love it. Is it, is it something that's big for you being like physically dominant on the ice, knowing that there's not a single person on the other roster that's going to 
not necessarily bench more than you, right? That's not a good standard, but like, like physically you're in better shape than everybody else on the other team. I like to think that. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, yeah, as a, as a program, we, when we go into the gym, we, it's 110% in the gym, you know, 110% on the ice. So um, yeah, we want to be that team that um, that's stronger, that's faster, that's, that's just more skilled, you know? So, and we will be hundred um, percent. Yeah. It's more of just like, if you have that winning mentality, it's like it carries on to such other things. Like, so like, the, cause like the gym back home, uh, we have like a board and it's like all the PRs and all the, everyone's numbers. And you get to, you know, every time you come to the gym, you look at the, at the numbers and who has the highest number. All right. Well then that's something to beat. So if someone's row time for 2000 meters was seven minutes and 20 seconds, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to beat that record of seven minutes, 20 seconds, get seven minutes and 15, you know? So just a competitive nature. That, I mean, that's hockey players growing up. I think if, especially right now, like at the level that you guys are playing at division three, division two college hockey, you got to have that competitive nature. You're not going to survive if, if you don't have it. Um, and it, it shows through your game. You, you looked at me last year in Lakeview. I think it was Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, and you looked at me and you said, Ezra, I'm going to be the best defenseman on the roster. <laughs> very confidently. You uh, hey. were very clear. You said, and I, I, I did my research. I looked at your junior stats. I have my game sheet. It says you're a very strong 2A defenseman, right? Um, and I believe it. I'm, you looked so good. I only got to see one game so far this year, that Route 140 challenge. And we'll talk about playing during COVID. Yep. Uh, is it important mm -hmm. for you not only that the team has success, but individually you're finding success on the ice, or is it just as long as you guys are winning hockey games, that's all that matters? I think winning hockey games for me is all that matters. Um, if I have a bad game, I'll, that's on me. Uh, I'll figure it out. But um, as a team, I love the team wins. It's just that having – when we won that first game at Becker, when we won that game – getting back on the bus. I, I mean, I sat there and I was like, wow, this is, I haven't felt this in so long, you know, like just sitting there after a win, you know, you're with the boys and it, it was such a sick feeling. Like I can't even like, especially for me not playing for so long. Uh, man, that was awesome. Did you, uh, were you on the line with Jacobs that game too? Yeah. Me and Jake's were partners. Um, Super fun player to play with, I tell you. Uh, that might be the best D pairing in any 10. I, it is. Um, I mean, yeah. You both can can find ways to get the puck up the ice, get involved on the offensive end. You're both very capable of holding your own on the defensive end. Uh, if you remember, you guys were on the ice with eight seconds to go in the first period during that home game. And Miller mm -hmm. gave you guys a line to draw up. He's saying no bad shots, right? He's He wants you to to do something special. I got caught up in it just on who was on the ice, right? It was you guys. Yeah. I think it was the top forward line with, uh, with uh, Stevenson and junior, junior, and just like whoever it was, whoever's line mates. Yeah. Were. Uh, and I think mm -hmm. it was the clock. Cause I was so invested. It's like what you guys were going to do. Do you remember that? that I kinda yeah. No, that we, ha we have, uh, I think we had a play going there. We, the special play. So, um, which was cool. Uh, it felt good. Like, like I said, that's another thing. It's like when you're put out on, on the ice, eight seconds to go and he says like hey like no no dumb decisions no uh nothing crazy here just get the puck on that and then that's it um it's a good feeling like he when a coach looks at you and, and he he trusts you you know it's a good feeling so yeah it was almost like like you do you like you've got the skill set like i believe right. um and and Someone said it to me. They said, oh, you're on the third D pairing. How can he be? Because I said, I said, this kid told me he's going to be the best defenseman on the roster this year. I believe him. And we got the yeah. line for the game. And he said, well, how can he be the best defenseman if he's on the third D pairing? And I said, this is it's college hockey. It doesn't matter what, what D pairing you're on. Oh, yeah, yeah no. I mean, third D pairing, fourth D pairing, I don't really care. I mean, um, in the end of the day, it's still a team sport. I could care less what, what line I'm on. You know, I'm going to make sure that I do my part um, to, to make sure we get the win, though, for sure. And so we mentioned the Route 140 challenge with Becker. You guys have two games down. Right now it's tied 1-1. You guys each picked up a road win. Uh, and on top of that, you guys are also playing other games. You're getting games added throughout the season. Obviously, you had one um, 
the girls had Castleton. You guys had someone else scheduled for this past weekend on the road, but um, yeah, we had a uh, Southern Maine. Southern Maine. Uh, so is it yeah. nice being able to get a little bit of normalcy, getting to play some hockey games during this weird time? No, yeah, no. It, if we need anything, it's it's the games for sure, and and the consistent practices and and lifts like that. I feel like that's what we need, and as in following all COVID protocols and everything. So um, as long as we're doing our part, I think um having that stuff's a privilege so and you mentioned the consistent practices do you think that the team benefited from having that extra time off obviously no one wants to miss the hockey season and no one wants what's going on, mm. what's going on. what do you mean by like the extra time off so like you had more time to train before the season started right oh so, yeah so um i feel like this is the best time for everybody because you're all at like all of all of sports is in the best shape of their life especially at this age, because you have so much time, so much off season to be in the gym and working on your trade. Yeah, no, I think having the extra time was, it was cool. I, I mean, it's kind of weird. Like your body, like me I, personally, like I've played it hockey for so long. There's like certain times where it's like, okay, now it's, it's time for a season, you know? And that's what your body's like already prepared for because you've been doing it for so long. So like when we're here and, and, you know, we're not practicing when we're supposed to. And it, it it was tough, honestly. I think it was tough, but we got through it as a as a team. And so what was the transition like trying to get your body into mid-season form, right? Like you, you don't mm -hmm. have as long to get ready. Obviously, the beginning of the season is a lot sloppier than the middle and the end of the season. Was it like a rush to try and get your bodies and get your, your team, whether it's the freshmen learning Miller's plays and systems or just everybody just trying to get their, their legs back under them after not playing a game for the past 364 days. Yeah. I think uh, it's just more about getting your legs back and, and doing game situational type things, you know, more like three on three down low, you know, stuff like that little battle work. Um, that's, that's that, the kind of things that I feel like was good for us. And when we went to Becker, we were, it was like so hype, right? And we got out there and it was just like, boom, so fast. We got right into it. It was, it was like tying a shoelace, man. It was so sweet. That's unreal. And finally, I got the last question. And I, I know the answer kind of for me, uh, obviously like asking you this question is kind of weird because I go to the same school as you, but I end every interview off the same way. Cause as much as like this podcast, the way it was designed was that I can show employers what I'm doing. Right. So I'm a selfish kid. Yeah. All I want is to find success in the future for me, right? But I also want to get something out for the people who come on to it, right? Share the stories, talk about how redshirting isn't a bad thing, right? Help someone figure out that that's going to go through this in the next coming years, what they're going through. So if Millerick were to give you a recruit and say, I want you to get this kid to come to Franklin Pierce, what would you say to him? What would you say to get Franklin Pierce to stand out in his head? Man, I mean, there's so much, you know? Cause like, I can't, I could talk about the like the campus. I could talk about all that stuff, but it's like in the end of the day, you're coming here to play hockey. Right. So, um, I don't know. I, if I'm going to tell them something, I'm going to tell them, Hey, I didn't even need to, I, I didn't even need to tour the school to come here. So, um, and I, I mean, I would just say like, I don't know your first day here, it's, it's going to be like a brand new family, like open arms. Um, that's what our club's about. So. It just everyone's together or one. So that's probably what I'd say to them. I, I think the, the biggest shock to me was I, I think it was last year I said it to Tyler. Uh, I said these kids, they're always Tyler Rudick. Arrego. Arrego. I don't talk to Tyler Rudick. I don't think Tyler <laughs> knows my name. Um, I said to Tyler, I said, these kids are always with each other. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're looking at a bunch of sophomores or freshmen or juniors or seniors, they're always just integrated and with each other. They're all taking the same classes. They're all eating in the calf together. You're never going to find one kid by himself. I think that epitomizes what you said. Yeah, no, never let a man, uh, never leave someone hanging, you know? So, um, I mean, like I said, we literally, it's everything eating carpool into the rink. I mean, you name it, we're, it just we're a family so thanks for coming awesome yeah i really appreciate it um an absolute sprint yeah. interview uh and it was good like for your second time like that's that's fine so uh cool. i'll let you know when it goes up 
and uh, you'll get a little bit of a, of a podcast bump, get the tags going on Instagram and everything right, main workouts. So uh, thank oh, yeah. you. Super uh, fun. See you later. See you, man. Big thanks to Vito for coming on to the podcast and uh, talking to us about playing in, in Las Vegas and Atlanta and then coming to New Hampshire and playing at Franklin Pierce. Uh, kind of what brought him here. Uh, the fact that he last year looked at me as a redshirt freshman and, and told me that he was going to be the best defenseman on the roster, un- unbelievable. And I, I believe him 100%. So I've, I've gotten to see him play once. Our men's team, they've, they've gotten two games in, one on the road, one at home. And he looks so good. I I, I just, uh, I, I love him on the ice. He's an unreal player, very offensive-minded while being very competent in the defensive zone, I think is a good way to put it. So big thanks to him for coming on to the podcast, but that's going to do it. Episode 18, uh, a day late, I guess technically two days late since it's already Thursday, um, but always got to get it out. So until next week, episode 19 of the college hockey podcast, be sure to check us out on social media, our Instagram and Twitter at college pod. Check out our YouTube page and our Facebook page. Both are the college hockey podcast. Go on to the internet and Google collegehockeypodcast.com for our website. That's going to do it. Thanks for listening to the College Hockey Podcast.